You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Manning takes the knee of the New York Giants are the Super Bowl 42 champions. When this happened, you talked about it on The Fan. They knock off the mighty Patriots. 17-14. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Sound Sports Radio, 1019 FM. The Fan, WFAN. I told you Darren Ruff was irrelevant. But there's a lot to get to today. And we got five hours to do so. We could get into the Knicks and their big performance with Emmanuel Quickly, who was dominant last night. He is part of the big three. Forget R.J. Barrett. Emmanuel Quickly is going to be the guy. We'll get into the Knicks uh, in a little bit and you know discuss how you know their playoff odds stack up and all that stuff. And you get the locals with hockey, a big win for the Islanders as we look ahead to the playoffs there. And look, Aaron Rodgers continues. You know, we wait uh, on the story. We hear from both general managers, whether it's the Packers GM, whether it's Joe Douglas. And to me, the more intriguing thing is Odell Beckham Jr., which we will get to. But I do want to start with the baseball. I, I don't know about you, but for me, Major League Baseball season opens up on Thursday. It is now officially Tuesday here on The Fan. That uh, You do the math. Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah, couple of days away from opening day, and that is what's on my mind. And with the Mets in particular, and we'll get into plenty of the Yankee stuff. We mentioned, you know, we did the show last night, Monday morning. And started the show with Volpe and that great story and got into the bigger question marks with the Yankees with Luis Severino and the lat issue where the Yankees are missing three-fifths of their starting rotation going into the year. That's got to be concerning. But today, and we'll, like I said, we'll take your calls on the Yankees. Really, we'll take your calls on whatever. And by the way, I heard there were some issues with the phones over the weekend or even tonight. Phone, look, here's the deal. Phones aren't working. I'm leaving. Figure it out. Run the, run the networks. I'm not, I'm not sitting here for five hours talking to myself. That's the deal. But I do think the phones are back and working. So test them out at 877-337-6666. The Darren Ruff stuff is funny to me. Because there's always going to be a focal point for the fans. A whipping boy, so to speak. Somebody that the, the fans are going to just... Have it out for, and not for no reason. I mean, obviously, it's with good reason. Darren Ruff was brought here last year to be the right-handed version of the DH to compliment Daniel Vogelback, who was the lefty DH. And Darren Ruff didn't do anything. And it's a big part of the reason why the Mets struggled was you know, their offense, while statistically it may have said that they were a top-five offense, reality showed you that they were not. They didn't have that power that the other top teams had and can wreck games. Not that you need to be loaded with power. You want to have balance, and the Mets have some balance in their lineup. And this is obviously much more about uh, you know the whole team 
Then it's about Darren Ruff, but Ruff is just a launching point here. So they didn't have that power, and they tried to get it in a smart way with looking at the numbers and analytics for Daniel Vogelback, looking at Darren Ruff, a guy who historically mashes left-handed pitching, you know, what J.D. Davis was supposed to do, what Darren Ruff has done in his career prior. And he didn't do it here with the Mets. And you combine that with the lack of production the Mets got from, whether it's left field, whether it's third base, whether it's catcher, you know, their DH spot was no good. You're talking about three, four spots in that lineup that gave you nothing as far as power goes. And coming into the year or going into the offseason, you knew that they were going to need to upgrade in that department. And they knew that they needed to upgrade in that department. That is why they went out there and tried to get Carlos Correa. That is why Steve Cohen said that that was the missing piece. We've now added the missing piece. And obviously we know that that fell apart. Okay, fine. But the Mets did not add that back. And... You know, fans are frustrated with, I think, that, with the fact the way that the year went last year. And looking at this roster with a guy like Darren Ruff on it, potentially, drove fans nuts because Ruff was one of the bad signs of last year or one of the bad marks on last year. Now, I think it's wrong to put the focus on Darren Ruff. As I said, he's irrelevant. And now... He really is irrelevant. We were saying this this morning, and now obviously, you know, you wake up to. Uh, I went to bed yelling at callers. We were yelling back and forth about the relevancy of Darren Ruff and telling everybody to calm down. Then I woke up to the news that the Mets have released Darren Ruff. I mean, really, much ado about nothing. He's irrelevant. He didn't get the job done, and the Mets showed you once again as an organization that things are different now, where they're not going to force feed you just because guys are getting paid, whether it's Robinson Cano a year ago whether it is Darren Ruff this year, and it's less about the money with Ruff than it was about Cano, and more about the trade that Billy Epler made to bring Darren Ruff in, you know, giving up a bunch of players to bring in Ruff. Is he going to admit a mistake and move on from a guy who was not productive last year and did nothing in the spring? By the way, you could argue, and I really think a big part of this is not even his lack of productivity in the spring, nor do I think it's from last year. I think it's a combination of that plus the fact that Ruff is not 100% healthy. There were issues with the wrist. They're not sure he's 100% healthy. That's why they made the decision. Everything, everything in total, the fans complaining about him, lack of production, and the fact that he's not healthy, that is why Darren Ruff is no longer here. But it's a good thing for the Mets because it shows you that they're not messing around here. They're not just going to stick with a guy and force feed him. Now, The other part of the equation is fans are frustrated because they want one of the younger guys up there. Want one of the younger guys to contribute at the big league level. Whether that is Beatty, Vientos, obviously Alvarez, you know, didn't do much this spring and they're not going to bring him up. They want him to get ready to catch. But I was surprised that they released Ruff without Vientos being the replacement on the roster. Instead, they go with Tim LaCastro and maybe that says something about the health of Brandon Nimmo as he got banged up, you know, what was it, last week or two weeks ago now, um, in that spring training game on the Friday night in Port St. Lucie. So Nimmo, though, sounds like he's going to be okay to go for opening day, but maybe it's a situation where he doesn't play as much center field. He'll play, you know, help DH a little bit. And then you have LaCastro play center or whatever. They could figure it out, maybe Tommy Pham. But 
The Mets lineup, and this is why fans are also clamoring for some of the young guys, the Mets lineup is not good enough. And for all the talk about World Series this, World Series or bust, highest payroll, yeah, that's fine. You know, part of the payroll is dead money. Whether it's, you know, Robinson Cano, whether it's Edwin Diaz, Part of it is, and I know they get refunded for that, but that counts toward the payroll for Diaz. So it's not like all that money that they spent is going into that lineup. The other thing is they spent $40 million each, roughly, on Verlander and Scherzer. That's this team's strength. You know, the unfortunate thing for the 2023 Mets before the season got started, they took a major blow in what was an area of strength. They are built... To pitch. Verlander, Scherzer, Diaz, those are the big three. You know, obviously the first two atop that rotation and the last guy in Diaz closing out these games. And now Diaz is not there. So now, to me, when people say, okay, well, how do you go replace Edwin Diaz? And the obvious answer is you don't because there isn't a closer out there. There isn't a reliever out there that can do what Edwin Diaz did a year ago. So the answer for me is you replace Diaz with power. Your bullpen is going to be what it is. I mean, maybe they will add an arm at the trade deadline or in season, and I have faith that they will. Now, what caliber of an arm? Who knows? Is it the top, top guy? One of the top guys out there? Maybe, probably. But whoever it is, is still not going to be Edwin Diaz. So the only way you can really make up for the loss of Edwin Diaz is power. The Mets need to add at least one power bat. I know Mark Hanna has talked about adding power to his game. Omar Narvaez should provide the Mets better offense, if not power, but just better offense in comparison to what James McCann did a year ago when you have you know an upgrade now, a catcher with Narvaez. Eduardo Escobar, he's a guy that could hit with some hit with a little power, as you saw down the stretch. And if he's a guy who could hit 20-plus home runs at third base every day, that'll be part of the solution for this team. But they need a power bat. And really, their season, you know, to get going for a team that is that has had the expectations of World Series or bust put on them, right or wrong, for a team that has those expectations, they're not there. They're not that loaded. They're good. They're not that good yet. So this team that we see now minus Darren Ruff, much to the joy of Met fans everywhere. Now what? So now that Ruff is gone after a bad year last year, after a miserable spring, now what? And this kind of plays to my point about Ruff being irrelevant. It's not like the Mets got better by releasing Darren Ruff. He was an non-factor. He wasn't going to be a factor if he were healthy, if he were on the roster, and obviously he's not going to be a factor now. So now what? What do they do with that lineup? And that's why it's going to be kind of a waiting game where the first month, first two months of the season, going to be kind of feeling it out and seeing what they have. Maybe Vientos gets a call. He is clearly the closest to being big league ready in comparison to Beatty or Alvarez. Maybe he gets a call at some point relatively soon. Maybe they wait to the trade deadline. Maybe they, you know, wait a couple of months into Briggs. Who knows when the 
call-ups are going to come and when the changes are going to come. But for now, you're looking at a team that is good, but not good enough. And a team that's far from complete. You know, some teams are built to be complete going in to the season. And things change throughout. Injuries happen. Guys don't perform. And then you have to go out there and make adjustments at the trade deadline. Generally, that is the case with the New York Yankees. Not this year, but generally that is the case with the Yankees. With the Mets, even though they have the highest payroll, they are not a complete team. Far from it. The good news is they know it. And the even better news is their owner is going to do everything in his power to change it. So the big, or or add to it. So the biggest question becomes, How will this team get out of the gate? And how will they perform early on? Will they be good enough? Will they be healthy enough to be one of the top teams and be within striking distance? Maybe not that different from 2015, where they were hanging on, hanging on, hanging on, hanging on, and then boom, make the trade for Cespedes, call up Conforto, or vice versa, call up Conforto, make the trade for Cespedes, whatever. And then they took off. So don't look at the roster right now and think that this is the team that the Mets are going to run out there and try to win a World Series. They will improve it. Just a matter of when, and obviously a matter of them keeping it together here, which, I mean, I don't think many people doubt. But if they have another injury on top of what happened with Diaz, you know, sometimes you just say, you know what, it's not our year. Maybe a step back to take, you know, two steps forward next year. But they will improve. Their roster will change, and it will look different at some point in this season. Because right now, it's just not good enough. 877-337-6666 is the number to call. Opening day now, just two days away. Yankees are all excited about Volpe. Who cares about the pitching for now? You know, we talk about the roster not being complete at this point. Well, there will be changes made for the Yankees. They're much deeper and more loaded offensively than the Mets are. But there will be changes there. As well, whether it's guys coming back healthy eventually, whether it's them bringing in players, we expect that to be the case with the Yanks. But it is still fun to get excited about opening day, isn't it? The games in April may not mean everything or may not appear to mean everything, but hey, everyone counts. And even if the regular season is diminished or devalued to a certain extent, these Yanks-Mets, tough divisions, you're still going to have to win 90-plus games. That starts now. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The fan is better when you're part of it. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. Fan 877-337-6666. Can't believe we're actually going to have Yankee baseball coming up Thursday on the fan, Thursday afternoon. I'll be on, what is today? So today's Tuesday morning. I'll be back on tomorrow, Wednesday morning, and then Wednesday night again. Uh, before, of course, Thursday, the home opener, you get the, the Yanks and the Giants. Can't wait for that. Volpe and his debut. We're going to be excited to see him in the lineup. And that every day you get to see a youngster, especially somebody his age. Last time, of course, 1996 with Derek Jeter. Before that, it was Willie Randolph. So Volpe in some pretty good company in Yankee history. And, you know, look, maybe there'll be a flair for the dramatics. And I think just more importantly to see how he handles the big stage in the Bronx, opening day, shortstop, and all the stuff that comes along with it. Should be fun to watch him. But we're going to have real baseball. Yanks at one, and then the Mets at four. On Thursday, and then I'll be back on Friday morning or, you know, Thursday night slash Friday morning at midnight to discuss it. Man, there's nothing better for me than coming on and reacting. You know, it's not the same with the Knicks, right? Knicks beat the Houston Rockets tonight. Okay, big deal. Postseason a little different. Rangers and Knicks, we'll get into that for sure. But at this point with the Knicks, you know, they're not good enough to react to every single game. And the games are kind of in between. We kind of know where they're going to be as far as seeding goes. So, So that's fine. But the Mets and Yankees reacting to those games after the, each and every one of the games, man, that is what I love. To me, that's, that's sports talk at its best, at least here in this city. And the best part about it is that you know once we get underway on Thursday, baseball is there for you every single night through November. This last weekend, it didn't hit me until today. This past weekend, I was, I mean... And by the way, I don't know how people do it. So I was home with my wife. I don't remember what I did. Oh, Saturday I went to the Islander game. I took my nephew. So Sunday was like, okay, honey, I'm all yours. Whatever you need, I'm here for you and Samira. That's my daughter. So we went to brunch at my wife's request. Then we went from there to a park. And it was a beautiful day out. And I really wasn't thinking much of anything. But but then I get to the park and it's crowded. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm looking around at all the husbands with their their long faces and just sitting there like, oh, my God. And I'm thinking, now, this is the first time I've ever done this in my life. And I'm looking around at these people being like, guys, there's got to be a better way. And then it hit me. While that was a day at the park, moving forward, like starting this weekend, it's all about ballparks. That is it. Sorry, honey. You can go to the park with the baby. I got ball games to watch. Yanks and Mets at one. Have fun. Be careful on the slide. Oh, my God. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It was like I was in a bad movie. 
Me? Sal? Being part of this? I never thought that would be the case. I guess that's what happened. You get married, you become a dad, and then you start hanging out at parks with every, everybody else on a Sunday. No way. It's not for me. Ballparks? Yes, please. The only regret is that I will not be in Miami for this weekend series. You know, Mets and Marlins, I would have loved to have. But, I mean, you know, at that point, I might have to get a divorce. I did just go to spring training a couple weeks ago. Anyway, the, the point is, the last weekend without baseball was this past weekend. Think about that. Every weekend from here on out, we are having baseball for the next six-plus months. Yes. Chris is calling from Manhattan. What's up, Chris? Sal, I love it. I'm so psyched for baseball. Um, I'm right with you. And by the way, yeah, they, they can't take you out of your natural habitat. That's not going to work in those parks. you got to go back where, you're, you know, where you feel is your place, which is the ballpark, right? Oh, man. I mean, I don't know how guys do it or how, you know, I, like it's – I mean, I love my daughter and I love my wife, but I don't want to be there with, you know, 100 other people running around and kids going wild and, oh, hey, and people laughing. Like, I'm just, I want to be left alone. I don't want to go and, to the park. And those, those forced conversations with random fathers, anyway, I, I've been there. Anyway, listen, Sal, um, I, I love what you've been saying about the Mets, and thank you for reminding us about, it's, it's a different Mets. It's, you know, we're still not really used to that, but I think a lot of our reactions are still based on, thinking the Wolfhounds own the Mets. We don't realize that they are changing their ways. They're cutting players. They'll spend money. They'll make trades. And by the way, two quick things. You know, Epler, I did hear Epler take responsibility for that rough trade. He said it didn't work out. It was a bad trade. So I really respected him for saying that. And uh, we could be celebrating more after all those calls yesterday. No Darren Ruff. I guess we're a lot to go to the World Series. <laughs> yeah, really. Right, exactly. Everybody was so thrilled about no, uh, or not thrilled. Everybody's so angry with Ruff. So that's kind of my point, right? Now what? Okay, you all got what you wanted. Everybody calling and complaining, or not even just calling, but the people just com- complaining about Darren Ruff. Well, now what? The, the, the right. team, you realize that the same problems exist without exactly. Ruff. And you well, think Mark you Vientos is the answer? I mean, maybe, but I doubt it. Not, not maybe not alone, but so I wanted to talk to you a second about the bullpen. I, you know, obviously, not to talk about the Diaz thing, but first of all, you know, I don't know if I can remember a time where the basically the bullpen got turned over. Everyone, with the exception of Smith and um, Diaz, is, is altered. Oh, well, Adavino was there. I'm sorry, right? But um, I'm a little. I don't know, man. You know, I know you're not a big Drew Smith fan. I don't know what to expect of him. I'm a little concerned. He's got a Drew Smith's got to be a big guy for them this year. Yeah. He, he has to be like a seventh inning guy you can correct. count on. Correct, especially yeah, to... especially now, especially now. We'll, we'll see. Uh, and the thing is, look, I also feel the thing with the bullpen is, you know, it's kind of a, it's kind of a crapshoot every year with that. You know, we've seen that, and I think, you know, coming off of the the Micah Givens trade, which didn't work out, you know, you're not always guaranteed to get the arm you want. But look, like you said, the Mets have the resources, they have a new attitude, they're aggressive. That's what we can hope to do, man. And I, I'm staying positive. I'm psyched. Baseball is here, man. And uh, it's the best time of the year. Yeah, I, I can't wait. I, I love it, Chris. And thank you for the call. I, look, it's a long season. We'll see how it unfolds. My issue with people focusing on Ruff is that this team has bigger fish to fry. They have bigger problems than Darren Ruff. Daniel Vogelback would be one of them. I don't believe Vogelback is going to be good this year. And I am concerned about, I mean, look, you could paint a negative picture to any team, right? doesn't matter how loaded you are. You could always paint, well, if this guy gets hurt, if this guy doesn't perform as well as last year, you could always do that with everybody. But with the Mets, 
you know, outside of Alonzo and Lindor, who are consistent performers for the most part, and we went over Alonzo's consistently uh, consistency yesterday morning, and I do think both those guys are going to have a big year, assuming they stay healthy. But look at the other spots. Left field, eh. And I like Canna, but he's a, a, on a really good team, a fourth outfielder. A guy who will play enough to get regular at-bats, but not be the guy. Nimmo, you have issues about his health and him staying healthy all year long. Marte, same thing. I love Marte as a player. Is he going to be able to stay healthy all year long? Escobar, there are question marks. Catching, there are question marks. So, again, I think those spots will be okay. And then even with the rotation, I think Scherz is prime for a huge year. I think Max Scherzer and Garrett Cole are going to be two the two best pitchers in Major League Baseball. I really feel like Cole's going to have a monster year. Cole is so underrated, it's it's almost bizarre. I know he gives up a, a bunch of homers, and that is a bad problem. You know, giving up a home run is never a good thing. But outside of that, and even with that, he's still one of the more dominant pitchers in Major League Baseball. Outside of that, this guy takes them out every fifth day and does his job as well, if not better, than anybody else. I think Cole and Scherzer are going to be fun to watch. You know, Verlander, I'm unsure about. Kodai Senga, unsure about. Not that I doubt Verlander, but, you know, first year in New York, maybe that could be a little bit of a a learning curve for him. Age, health, all the above. Well, there's, there's those question marks that I talk about. You want to go into the year eliminating the question marks. The Mets have a bunch of them. Rich is calling from West New West New York, New Jersey. What's up, Rich? Hey, what's up, Sal? How are you, Rich? Uh, first, first time calling your show. I love listening to you. Thank you. I also watch you on SNY. I don't know why you guys kick, talk a lot about the Yankees, but <laughs> I guess it's neutral. Well, it is the show. The name of the show is called Baseball Night in New York. Yeah, so I, I, know, I know. We I do. Know. We do. Though majority Mets. I mean, I, I, we also are aware of what network we're on. You know, it's the home of the Mets. So, But I do appreciate you watching. We appreciate that. Yeah. Um, there's a big bat that just, that just became a free agent tonight who's experienced playing in New York, is a winner, that I think the Mets should take a flyer on. And he's a power hitter. Luke Boyd. Now, didn't think? didn't he just sign with somebody? No, no. He uh, he decided not to go to the minors. I think they, they, they were going to send him to the minor league. Uh, I thought he just signed with the Brewers. Luke, uh... no, he, no, he did it. He left. Oh, so... he's a free agent. He declared himself a free agent instead of getting. Uh, I guess they're gonna they're gonna send him on to the minors. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. I saw that he uh, well, thirteen hours ago that he signed. Or I saw it in the news that he signed with the Brewers, and you're saying he de- he declined because they were gonna send him down. I believe so. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, they signed him back. So the Brewers did sign him, right? Please, the, the latest news. Yeah, and thank you for the call, Rich. I was just I saw it this this afternoon. I think throughout uh, when I was checking on the, the news on my phone that Luke Voigt signed a one year deal with the Brewers. Um, but anyway, Voigt wasn't very good last year. I will say this: when I first saw the news this afternoon that Voigt signed with Milwaukee. My initial thought was, how come the Mets can't even just get him as a DH? He's got to be better than what they have. But that's not really the answer either. You don't want to just get somebody that was better than what they had just because they're better than the worst. I mean, the Mets DHs, I just taped the 
Rico Bronya podcast with Evan as we're doing our season where he does his season uh, predictions with the Mets, the overs and unders for the whole year, whatever. And he informed me that the Met DHs last year, think the, the two things that were stunning to me, Met DHs totaled 18 home runs last year. I mean, that's freaking pathetic. And even more pathetic than that, Mets catchers combined for seven home runs on the year. Think about that. Seven home runs? With all your catchers, seven home runs? And the DH spot is supposed to be a powerful one. I know that it's changed now to where, you know, it's not just the old school power bat and, you know, guys going to go up there and, and mash home runs. It's more of a spot that teams use for, you know, flexibility, give certain guys a a blow, but keep them in the lineup, all that stuff, move guys around, that's fine. But still, it should be an offensive position. And the Mets have one of the worst DHs last year. So, of course, Voight would be an upgrade, but at this point in his career, I don't think Voight would be the guy that I would want. And he always drove me nuts with the Yankees anyway. He had good regular seasons, but in the big spot or in, you know, big game in the postseason or a big at-bat, he's easily pitched to. I also think Voight was one of those guys that with the Yankees, he's just better. Some guys put on the pinstripes and become better. Then they take him off and they can't find their game. Voight was basically a nobody when the Yankees got him from the Cardinals. They turned him into a player. And then he goes to, you know, the Padres and, and wasn't very good. And the Nationals and same thing. And, and you know, and now maybe he could stick with the Brewers for a little bit. Um, but I don't think that the Mets would benefit really. Would he be an upgrade over Ruff? Sure. But like I said, I mean, there are odds are anybody you find would be an upgrade over Ruff. I'd rather see Vientos get an opportunity to be the right-handed hitting DH. Than Luke Voigt. Point is, the Mets need offense, and they know it. I'm very curious to see how this offense looks in comparison to a year ago because it is basically, you know, both the Mets and Yankees have done similar things in the offseason. They've made some moves, they've tried to upgrade a little bit, but basically, it's bringing back the same team. Basically. You know, if you're looking for a change from the Mets, where is it coming in that lineup? Narvaez, a catcher, okay, upgrade over McCann. And what, Escobar is going to be an upgrade over himself last year because he's going to have a better year? Where are the upgrades there? Tommy Pham off the bench? You know, the Mets basically bringing back the same team. Even in the rotation, you know, you forget Maybe you don't forget, but it's not like Verlander comes in and is replacing nobody. Verlander is replacing Jacob DeGrom. Now, I know DeGrom was hurt, you know, basically all of last year. But you always had that possibility that he was going to come back. And when he did come back, he was pretty darn good. Maybe not his vintage dominant self, but still, even that version of DeGrom is better than most. So... They have, going into the year, Verlander in place of DeGrom. Okay, that's let's give it a wash and hope that Verlander pitches obviously way more than DeGrom did last year because he was hurt. But still, 
You could then argue Kodai Seng. Is he going to be as durable as Chris Bassett was? You know, again, that's not an upgrade. That's a replacement. Carrasco, same thing. David Peterson, as opposed to Taiwan Walker. You know, it's not like Walker was awful last year. The Mets, and then you look at the bullpen, where the Mets did upgrade the bullpen in comparison to last year. Robertson, Brooks, Raley. But then they lose Edwin Diaz. It is, I mean, I was going to say it's not a stretch to say, but I think it's actually factual that the Mets are not as good right now as they were at this time a year ago. Going into the season, the Mets right now aren't as good as they were. Jim is in Haverstraw. What's up, Jim? Hey, Sal. How you doing, my buddy? Good morning, Jim. How are you, man? Oh, I'm fantastic. Um, So, listen, do you know when, when uh, you know, wherever you live or whatever you're doing, do you have friends, like, that you grew up with who, who have kids with you at the same time? No. You know, no. With, no. Oh, you I, I, because most of my friends are all over the place. They're, they're scattered. Saratoga, Boston, Milwaukee. Those are my closest friends. I do have a couple on Long Island, but, you know, the problem is everybody else has got their own life, right? So they're doing their thing, and then we're doing ours, I guess, and it doesn't sync up. My wife is trying to make friends because we're from – we moved to where my parents were, so my wife's trying to make friends. And then this is the new potential issue that I'm having, Jim. Here's the biggest key. I don't want new friends, right? Like, I don't want to hang yeah. out with anybody. But my wife goes to these classes with my daughter, and now she's like, oh, I met a new friend. Do you think maybe – and I'm like, don't even ask me. And you know what's going to happen? Do you think maybe we could have a play date where you come or we all go out to yeah. dinner? And, yeah, and I got to take the bullet because I do want my wife to make friends, but I don't want to make any new friends. Um, which you just want to sit down, watch TV, eat wings, not talk for six hours, be comfortable. You don't want to have to deal with all that beginning stuff. It's like, I want like to do nothing. Again. Yeah, I don't want to do. I don't want to do nothing. I want nothing. I, look, I'm 43 at this point. My friends are my friends. My wife, no. you know, my, my wife, my daughter. That's fine. Family, whatever. But like, think about the the time that we have, right? If you're working. Monday through Friday, or whatever your hours are, you're working five days a week, then that means you only have two days to yourself. When you throw sports on top of that, the time is even less. And then, like, I, I, you think I want to spend it with, with some small time? Oh, yeah, how old is your kid? Oh, yeah, that's great. Oh, what school are you going? Like, I don't, I have no interest Look, in that. Sal, that's why it's so important. Like, you know, nobody works a 40-hour week anymore. Nobody even really works five days anymore. It's six hours, 48, 50, 52 hours. But I, so... You're right. Everybody has their own lives. But at that point of going to the park, right, that's the sync up time. So it's me and three, four of my buddies. We're sitting in the corner, but we're miserable together, right? <laughs> and when it's over, we, we, you know, we break away. But it, it's, it's, uh, it's very comforting to have, still have that group, you know, like it, and have the kids at the same time and, and, and all that stuff. So um, I was thinking about that when, when you said that. I'm like, he probably doesn't have any friends and he's just sitting there miserable, but. You know, at least no, I'm, I'm and then no, I I don't. I and like you're right. I don't want to be there. And then you know, well, whatever. Sometimes you get recognized, and that's a different story. And it's not. Sure. It, it's nice to get recognized, which is fine. But then you know, potential sure. small talk comes from that. Which again, it's okay, but it's just not my 
comfort zone being out there with strangers at a park. And meanwhile, my wife is the complete opposite. She thrives in that spot. See, now you you bring up, she loves it. She wants to meet more people. She's friendly. And I'm like, let's get the hell out of here. Now, oh, man, you're just telling her to shut up. Well, listen, thank God now for phones, too, man. It, it definitely helps when you're able to peek down and, and get scores and, and all that stuff. You know, get well, the, during the games, you know, a lot of trouble. Luckily, my wife is understanding that knowing during a game or whatever, I, we can't be doing that stuff. But you do bring up a sure. good point, Jim, that has just not been an option just because of circumstance, it's unfortunate. But, yeah, I'd love to have gone to the park or whatever with friends, with kids at a similar, similar ages. For us, that's just not uh, not in play. Sure. Hey, so listen, I just kind of want to hit on that point you said of the DH. So I'm, I'm a Yankee fan, full transparency. But, you know, when, when you look at the DH and the numbers, the DH and the numbers actually show you more about your offensive lineup than the DH himself because – the DH is supposed to be in there to protect your big bat. So the pitcher has got to make that decision like, hey, am I going to go after this guy? It's like, you know, you put him in between Stanton and Judge. It's like, you know, do I want to uh, pitch the Judge to get the DH or pitch the DH to get to Stanton? So it's like it, it kind of shows a little bit more to, I mean, listen, the, the, get, having 18 home runs with your DH is just not good because, you know, like I said, that DH should be in positions where he's getting groove on that three and one pitch instead of, you know, if it's somebody else getting walked because, you know, they're usually in spots if they're good with, you know, powerful bats around them. And that's kind of what, what the play has been for a long time. Um, but when I, when I heard 18 home runs and then, you know, you said Luke Voigt and, it, you know, you, he gets the Yankees and, you know, just Yankees make them, but it's, it's more about the Yankees lineup that, that right. Eddie, listen, Luke Voigt was just, he was like the Shane Spencer of, of, of right. the time, right? He just got there. And well, right, because think about it. It's an excellent point. The Yankees lineup is loaded. So what does Luke Voigt come in? Nobody knows who the hell he is. He comes in, flies yeah. under the radar. He's getting pitches to hit and he's mashing fastballs. Like that's, Absolutely. but if they, on the Mets, and I'm not talking about this particular team, but or on other teams, you know, Luke Voigt goes there, and then he's expected to do what he did in a loaded Yankee lineup, and supposed to be one of these guy, the guys in a lineup, and sure. he's just not that. So you you become now a person that you're getting pitched around to when you're on a bad team, and then when you're on the really good team, that's when the the person's you know pitching to you because he's trying to get you out instead of getting to the other big bats. It's you know, it, it, like I said, it's it's. You can look at the DH a lot of times, and it will show you or or give you a little tell about the other offense, uh, you know, in the lineup. You know what I mean? And by the way, Luke Voigt would have. I mean, he he does hit some homers, even with the Padres and Nationals in a down year. He did hit 22 home runs last season. Um, yeah, no, I'm not saying he he wasn't good. I'm just saying that you know, like I said, you said 18 home runs. I'm not necessarily thinking. I mean, listen, it's not good, but I'm not necessarily thinking about that the DH per se. I'm thinking about who's in front of them, who's in behind right. them, because you know what I mean. Because right, but the Mets need a five hitter, and that's where the sure. DH should come. Look, it, it. I mean, we know what DH stands for, Jim, and thank you for the call and for the advice. Appreciate it. Designated hitter. Designated hitter. It should be a person that should go up there. And mash. It shouldn't be that hard to find. And the Mets combined. Think how many people were their DH last year. And the majority of those home runs came from Pete Alonso when he was DHing. Cano, Dom Smith, JD Davis, Ruff, Vogelback. I mean, think of all that. 18 homers combined? Where Luke Voigt, even in a down year, and again, hits 220. He struck out almost 180 times. But he did hit 22 home runs.
The Mets need more power in that lineup. And if it's not coming from third base with Escobar, it's not coming from left field with Canna, not coming from the catcher spot, not coming from second base, where are they getting it? Maybe Nimmo improves power-wise? But the easiest answer would be the DH spot. You can't see. Here's the thing: you can't have you can't have McNeil and Marcana and Escobar and Nimmo and the catcher spot all have no power. Like you just can't have it. You can't have a lineup built like that. Yeah, they're balanced, but you can't have it. Did I say Vogelback in there too? Because I meant to say Vogelback. You can't have that. Nimmo, Canna, Vogelback, McNeil, Escobar, catching spot. I mean, those six spots. Look, where are the Mets getting power from? Lindor, Alonzo, and Marte. That's it. So Escobar's got to be a guy to hit 20 home runs. Nimmo or Canna, one or the other, have to hit 20 home runs. And the DH spot should be hitting more than 20 home runs. 877-337-6666. More of your calls on the side. Yankees talk ahead of opening day. Volpe starting rotation, what their lineup is going to look like. Mets talk as we talk about Ruff being DFA'd. What does it all mean? Still, the Mets don't have enough to go out there and win the World Series as currently constructed. When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. Santana into the windup. The payoff pitch on the way. Swung out and missed. Strike three. He's done it. Johan Santana has pitched a no-hitter. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Back on the fan, 877-337-6666. We'll get into some of the football news from yesterday where Robert Sala, Joe Douglas spoke. You know, it's just a matter of time. Aaron Rodgers is going to be the Jets quarterback. So I don't even feel like talking about it until it actually does happen. But, you know, there's some talk, you know, because Lamar Jackson made headlines today. We'll we'll save it for 1 o'clock. But we'll get into that uh, in a little bit. Either way, the, the Jets made the right choice here with Aaron Rodgers. Like, Come on. I mean, it's happening. It's just a matter of when it's going to happen. The bigger issue to me, because we know Rodgers is going to be the quarterback, the bigger issue is, do they go out there and get Odell Beckham Jr.? That is the big question. Jimmy is calling from Manahawk in New Jersey. What's up, Jimmy? Hey, what's up, Sal? How are you, Jimmy? Great. Not bad. Just uh, look. Mike is calling from Merrick. What's up, Mike? Hey, Sal. How are you, Mike? I'm good. I'm talking with the New York Mets now. Go ahead. The Mets will go 162 wins to no losses. On the feed. Jim is calling from Long Island. Jim. Hey, how's it going, Sal? How are you, Jim? Um, yeah, I'm doing good. And you, and you just, you know, you were talking about the Jets. And uh, you're 100% right. There is no doubt that Roger's coming. The whole idea with Lamar is 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 you know listen the guy's an elite quarterback Rodgers is an elite quarterback there's just 
too much uh, too much risk in taking. As far as I'm concerned, Lamar with a, a, some kind of guaranteed contract, if that's what he's if he actually is going to stand on, uh, I wouldn't want to touch that with a ten foot pole. So you might think I'm crazy here, but I think the Jets. I mean, absolutely have all, all the leverage. I do not give up the number one. I don't give up the two number twos. I use those on draft picks. And I stay away from these guys unless they give in. I let them go through the draft. I let them go into May when they have to commit to love. And I'm willing to go, and I know this sounds nuts, but I'm willing to go all the way to September 1st when they have to release this guy, um, and then I don't know. I don't think they get anything at that point. I think uh, I, I think Joe Douglas. I don't, I don't think you're far off, Jim. Now I don't believe it's going to get to that, but I think Joe Douglas is basically going to feel the same way you do. I'm not budging here. We the, the Jets have the powerful position. Rogers said he wants to get traded there. The Packers have weakened. They already came out yesterday and said that they do not need or they're not likely to get a. Or not necessarily going to get a first-round pick back. So we'll see. But, I mean, right now the both sides are going to play hardball. The Jets may not blink first. I mean, there's no need to. The way that they were talking today, whether it was Robert Sala, whether it was Joe Douglas talking about now, we, he's familiar with the offensive system. We trust the quarterback. There's no need to, you know, we're not in any hurry. Obviously, both sides want this done sooner than later. The Packers will blink. And they will blink before the trade before the NFL draft. Joe Douglas is not going to blink, and I think you're right. If for whatever reason the Packers want to drag it out, Joe Douglas will go right down to September first. Yeah, beautiful, absolutely. And and um, you know the thing is, do not give up any of that draft capital because uh, you know Joe Douglas is committed to the idea. I at least I believe he's committed to the idea, unless he comes up with something. And he's had some issues with. Uh, picking up guys for the offensive line. I think they're committed to getting at least two guys for the offensive line. I think they're going to need all the draft capital they can get in this year's draft to do that and protect Rodgers. Well, the goal is, I mean, look, you're going to have to give up something to get Aaron Rodgers. But the goal is, and Joe Douglas was good at this last year, finding impact players that can have an immediate impact on the game. Not just impact players down the road, but guys out of the draft right now that could step right in and be impactful for this Jets team. And remember, this is a Jets team that is already, I don't know if loaded is too strong, but they already have talent on both sides of the ball. You add Aaron Rodgers to that equation, you think about the idea of potentially adding Odell Beckham Jr., which we'll get into in a little bit. I mean, the Jets... If they draft offensive line and defensive players, hey, look, they're going to be, they could have a sick team next year because they're already good right now. Yeah. Can I just, wouldn't it be, would it be unreasonable uh, to you that they don't get to touch? We've already given up the third, the two number twos and the number one. Would it be absurd to give away the fourth as they did with Favre? And then they're going to have to give up more than that. No, a conditional draft choice next year based on his performance. So it could potentially go up to a number one. I don't have a problem with that. If this guy got us. Right. I think you're giving up. I I think you're giving up a number two for sure. 
I, I would okay. look. I would be surprised. I mean, they said they're not getting a number one back. They, the Packers can't walk away without a number two pick in this draft. So you'll probably end up giving one of those number two picks and then some, and that's fine. And know that, and, yeah. And the one thing is, I just wanted to say is, I am listen. I want a Super Bowl as bad as anyone. I you know I saw the one in '68. I was in the city for the parade, the whole nine yards. But all I really want is I want to be able to go to those games and watch incredibly competitive football. That's what I really want because that's what I'm going to do every week. And I want to see some really good football. And I think Aaron Rodgers is going to bring oh, it back. Man. And I yeah. think Joe Douglas is, 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 is getting a team built for that. That's the thing, Jim, and thank you for the call. You know, everybody talks about is it going to be successful if – the Jets trade for Aaron Rodgers and they don't win a Super Bowl? Yes, because think about what Jim just said. You want competitive football. And while the Jets were competitive a year ago, this is a different kind of competitiveness that we're talking about. This is at the highest of levels where the Jets will be in the conversation to go out there and legitimately contend to get to and potentially win a Super Bowl. They're in the conversation. Doesn't mean it's going to happen. Doesn't mean it's likely, but they're in that conversation. That's a different kind of competitiveness when you talk about this Jets team and their hopes, where for years it's about fans rooting for them to actually lose so they could get a top pick, and then it becomes about, oh, just make the playoffs, and now it's about playoffs aren't going to be good enough. Yeah, playoffs should be a given, but you're going to be watching one of the better teams in the NFL week in, week out, led by Aaron Rodgers. That is what makes it a successful trade. The enjoyment that you get out of watching your team compete at the highest levels for the next, hopefully, couple of seasons. The results may vary. Maybe they get in. Maybe they win around. Maybe they you know, lose in the divisional round. Maybe they get to the championship game and lose. You're going to say that's a failure because they didn't win the Super Bowl? No, especially a Jeff fan. You're going to enjoy the hell out of that ride. As we welcome in Marco Belletti right now. Marco, been a while. Did you hear my story about going to the park before? No, I missed that. Yeah. When was the last time you went to like the park with your kids? Uh, when the weather was nice. Yeah. We tried oh, like to do, recently. Yeah, so yeah, you yeah, do yeah. that frequently. No, we try to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Try to do this. Now, how's possible. that work for you? Uh, I mean, they enjoy it, so that's good enough for me. Yeah. But so you stand around with the other husbands looking miserable. Uh, usually there's not a lot of husbands. I usually stand around with the wives and look like the guy that's completely out of place. Oh, really? And look a little, you know. Almost to the point where if they don't see my kids really close to me, they're kind of like, who the hell are you? Why yeah, are you right. Here? You're some yeah. weirdo there yeah. just watching, hanging yeah. out at the kids' playground. Yeah. So I have never done this in my life until Sunday. I don't know. I mean, just circumstance, I guess. Well, your daughter's only two, though. Yeah, that is true. Right. I was going to say, I got an older one. Mine's almost nine. I mean, I've taken my niece and nephew on occasion, but it was but they're a little bit older. It was just different. Like, yeah. I've never been the dad. This is my first time taking my daughter with my wife to the park. You know, it was one of those things where... Saturday, I took my nephew to the Islander game. Sunday was the day for the wife. Like, I was like, all right, whatever you want. A little mm-hmm. brunch, which was nice. Then we go to the park. And I'm standing there like, I cannot believe that this is my life now. <laughs> and I'm looking around at all these miserable fathers just sitting on the bench, looking at their phone, looking down. Don't do that. Yeah, yeah, get back over here. Tommy, get over here. Don't do that. And I'm like, what the hell is this? Yeah. And my wife was loving every second of it. She's smiling, taking pictures of me and my daughter. So that was nice. But, like, I don't – that's not my thing, man. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Here's the thing, though. You went with your wife. When I've gone, it's me with the kids. Oh! 
And she, no, 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 this is not because our schedules have been off. So when I used to go, it was because I was off on a random Tuesday, right? And I can go after school or something like that. So I don't remember. I'm sure it's happened. I don't remember being there with her with the kids. She's gone a bunch with the kids without me. I've gone a bunch with the kids without her. See, I don't think I can handle that. Me by myself. You know what? It's easier. If you're with your wife, now you're in the, oh, my God, get me the hell out of here. And yeah. she's watching and she's laughing. And you're like, oh, well, what am I doing here? When you're by yourself, as much as you don't want to be there, you're now in charge. And you got to make sure that there is no mishaps, if you will. Yeah, I So know. there's a responsibility. So as much as you're miserable, you have a job to do. Yeah, right. So it kind of diverts your attention from the get me out of here to, oh, please don't touch that. I'm all right with it. I'll tell you the worst part about the whole thing. It's not even going to the park. It was going to the park on a beautiful Sunday afternoon. Like, it's jam-packed. Yeah. I don't want to be there with other people. Yeah. I don't, mind, I don't mind taking her on the swing or going on the slide or whatever. But then you got, you know, 30 kids running around, some older. You know, like, it's just a danger zone for me. Mm-hmm. Plus, I'm not very social. Like, I don't. And I want the small talk. And I'm like, oh, how old is your daughter? And this and that. I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Like, I ignore, yeah. You, you, yeah like, I don't see, want that stuff. This is the advantage of looking the way I do. Yeah. People don't approach me. <laughs> and I'm thrilled about it. They mm. don't approach me. And the other part of it, again, you go on a Wednesday. There's nobody nobody, that's what I'm saying. Wednesday afternoon, that's fine. Two or three people there, okay. Well, that's, time for, that's time for me. Mommy takes them on Saturday afternoon with the. Oh bl- I'm God. not doing that. So I guess my question is, and then I was saying too, like my wife is now into this thing, and, and I do feel bad for her because she doesn't have a lot of friends. As a matter of fact, she doesn't have any friends that are on Long Island. We went back to like where my parents live, so she's yeah. trying to make friends. Yeah. It's hard. So then we have our daughter, and she starts going to these gym classes or whatever classes that they go to, and she meets some uh, friends. Yeah. So then I, I knew what was coming. She goes, "Hey, um, would you be?" I was like, "Please, please don't say it. I know where you're going, but please." Yeah, you know, I met this new friend, and do you think maybe we can get together one day? I was like, for you, all right, like maybe once, but I just want to tell you, you you already know this. You've heard this speech before. I am not looking for new friends. I don't want new friends. I'll go hang out for a night with you so you can further your friendship, but just know that this is not a long-term thing for me. I'm not going to be hanging out with Jack and Cindy, whatever the hell their names are, (laughs) moving down. Like, I don't, this is not a regular weekend thing. I so I was not zero, looking for playdates, huh? I have zero interest. No, I'm not. I'm not looking for, ze- like, less than zero. And then what happens, too, and obviously, like, I exaggerate for effect on the radio, but some people hear it, and then it gets back, and then, like, maybe they get scared off, and my wife gets mad at me for t- saying it on the radio, and then she loses a friend because of it. Yeah, I mean, I got to be fair. I'm more antisocial than you are. I've always kind of said there are no applications being taken for friendship right now. If anything, I'm looking at layoffs. Okay? (laughs) I got to tell you, I'm that company. We're looking for layoffs. We're not taking applications right right now. We're cutting back the payroll. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Things have really, I mean, we we, got to tighten the the ship up. All kidding aside, you bring up a great point. But it's the truth. As you get older, that thing gets tightened up. I, I I don't need more. I need less. Time becomes more valuable. Yeah. And even like my closest friends, it's like. Man, I can't make time to see you. You think I'm going to be bringing new people into this mix? Yeah, yeah. So again, the whole playdate thing, and the and the other, and I only again, I think I only know two other parents. They're and they're awesome. They seem like really right, cool people. Right. So don't get me wrong; they, they seem cool. But most people, and this is where I'm, I'm grateful 
for, I guess, this look, right. if you will, which right. I haven't done on purpose. People do not I stand out. I stick out in a really bad way. When you're talking about, like, kids, most What's parents— you, you look fine. Sal, yeah. most parents do not have— like the flannel T-shirt wearing, you know, with yeah. Pulp Fiction on it, right. with a hat on and a look on my face with the big giant beard of, get the hell away from me. Yeah. Most people don't have that when they're at the parrot functions. Interesting. So I'm grateful that most people are smart enough to see it written on my face. And they just leave you And alone. they go away. Yeah. All right. I mean, I got to get that. But I don't want to be mean or anything. Just the truth is, I'm not really looking for... Yeah, I mean, again, I'm not biting anyone. It's just a... It's, a, it's like, I have somewhat friend, of a look. It's a scowl. My brother-in-law, my, my wife's brother, uh, he, like, meets all his neighbors. They hang out, and I'm like, what's wrong with you guys? Like, why are you hanging... Gio, I was talking to Gio about it. Like, he... Really? Hangs out with his neighbors. Yeah, Gio and I went out to a local bar a few weeks back. He's like, yo, what are you doing? You free? I was like, yeah, maybe get out of the house for a couple hours. I go out with him, met in his hometown, and he's like... He walks into this bar. There's like 30 regulars in there. And I'm like, this is what people do on a Sunday? Like, I, I could, <laughs> A, I really don't have an interest of doing that. B, I wouldn't even have the time to do it. Like, my wife would never, that would never fly. Yeah. Going to, and all these guys are hanging out, and Gio's like all into it and hanging out with some neighbors or the locals. And I'm like, damn, dude. Look, here's the question. Did you know your neighbors when you were a kid? Um, Because I feel like maybe that's it. If you did it when you were young... Well, like, but there's a difference between me knowing the neighbors as, as like, a kid and my parents hanging out with them, right? That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, your parents... No. Yeah. Did they talk to any of the neighbors? Were they friendly with the neighbors? Maybe one... Did you have them over? Nah. Did you go there? Not not all. Maybe one, and it was only because, like, my mother ended up babysitting for the kids. Like, she was, like, a regular babysitter for them. Okay. Outside of that, no. Like, I knew who the other kids were in town, but it wasn't, like... Or in the neighborhood, but it wasn't like my parents were and, hanging out with them. Well, that's what I'm saying. Kids are different because I mean, yeah. sometimes like you know, you want you get your friends. I mean, that's what you do as a kid. And sometimes your parents have to get to know each other just because you've been friends for 15 years or whatever. Right. It is. Like that. Uh, that aside. No, did you have that? No. No. We didn't have, yeah. No. Like I, honestly, I don't remember their names. I'm what about now? Like, you, you friendly with your neighbors? No, not even a little bit. Yeah. There were one. There was one couple that had kids like the same age that lived behind us for a little while. They rented. They seemed like the nicest people. I'm actually somewhat. I feel bad that they left right. a couple of years ago for Texas. But part of me was thrilled in the simple fact that, like, um, as cool as they were and as nice as it was, something about being on my deck and, like, hey, how's it going? Yeah, right. Freak me the hell out. Like, get the hell away from now, me. Like, boss, give me a call. Give me a text. Give me something. Like, you can't just, you know, I'm not that guy. You can't just walk in. I'm and, not, and the you other, know, door's not open. The other thing is there's no way to escape. Like, the neighbors know where your car's at. They know yeah. when you're home. Yeah, ah. yeah. That's, that's part of the reason why. Again, they were awesome so i feel bad because i mean they almost took care of my son a little bit like they right. he would just like run over there and they were all like you know hey is it okay They're like no it's great he's like family and i'm thinking to myself that's great like don't come here with that uh, it's great that he can go there um your daughters seem awesome don't come over here because uh i'm not into it and i'm gonna make a dinner bottom line is i think uh you and i marco we're both uh we're both bad guys i would concur yeah we're not very nice you could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.